and welcome to the common briefing program. Uh, so brief that it didn't happen on time. I just moved and my name is Colin. We're here to recap geek news uh, for the month of October because as part of the common uh, geeking program podcast, uh, we like to do that. Look at the most interesting, important uh, headlines and try to figure out what is worth your attention and share some of our thoughts along the way. Uh, so, I am joined, as usual, uh, by two of my good friends. Would you guys like to use your voices now? I would not, no. No. Oh, well, uh, rough medium for you to have that opinion. I'm so sorry yeah. that I had to tell you this way. That's that's going to be my stance for the uh, the upcoming, you know, in, in a few months, the, the new year. Uh, no audio on podcasts anymore in 2022. That's, it is uh, that's the the Jeff Levitt guarantee. It is innovation, <laughs> uh, but it is also Jeff because he Jeff has Levitt psychically to speak implanting this. the podcast into your head without all that need You're for just, airwaves and shit. Yeah, Sound we're gonna we're we are exclusively going to co-op the sign language and voice superpowers from Dune. Uh, so that's fun. And who else is talking? Hi, I'm Timewool or Chowder. Whichever you prefer. I'm currently sifting through ev- all my posts from October. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I So I usually like to start with a bit of a vibe check, but I think I need to do a bit of a vent check here because, guys, <laughs> I as I said, I just moved. And I'm usually the kind of person, I don't mind moving. I know it's hard work. I know it's time-consuming. But it's usually fine. You know, it's fine. And as long as you're prepared, it is fine. This time, even though we prepared, it did not feel fine. Um, uh, We are all moved in. I'm set up with my workstation. It's a nice place. I'm very happy with it. It does have multiple stories, so I'm hoping that will force my cats to lose weight. It was great because on day one, Odo (laughs) was panting every time he climbed the staircase. And it was sad and funny. Uh, but he's oh, getting better. Boy. Yeah, if you've never seen a cat pant like a dog, hundred percent recommend it. But I hate to break it to you, Colin, but uh, you've seen both my parents' house and <laughs> both of my cats, right? <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> Not exactly. Uh, I mean, if, if we're if we're venting, uh, I would like to say today fucking sucked at work. Like oh, all, that that's rough. Like all the customers were like stupid and slow and frustrating. And just I hate that shit. And uh, it, it was just busy, and I didn't really get a break. Like, uh, like you know, the way it works at my job is like you get paid for your you get paid during your break, but like you know, like if it gets super busy, you're expected to like uh, hop off and uh, uh, start uh, start helping out. And mm, it sounds and, like a break. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that no, sounds uh, illegal. Is <laughs> what that sounds like. <laughs> No, no I know exactly what he's talking about. It no, sucks. It, it's yeah. it's normally it's normally fine because like, uh, you know, like I, I, because like you know, it's not like, or they're not like keeping track of my break. You know, it's not like I clock yeah. in and out, so I right. can just like uh, go back and you know finish finish my meal and just not count the time. Yeah, but but like here, it's just like people were being annoying and like and like doing. And like having to take people's lottery numbers is fucking painful. And this time they were particularly fucking assholes. And lottery people are usually just big assholes. So like being more of an asshole was just terrible. I will. Fuck uh, the lottery. Yeah, I will hit you with this. 
well, you had a bad experience uh, with customers. I want to talk a bit about a bad experience as a customer. On top of a few <laughs> other things that happened. Eat my and, ass, customer. And the- <laughs> that is go. quite the business proposition. Down with the bourgeoisie. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, go, go on. customer is the new is the new rallying cry for the oppressed. Um, yeah, go on, though. So, fucking... In the, so planning to move, first of all, Spectrum internet provider, God, what a nightmare that was. But I want to complain about another company you might know as U-Haul. Uh, we went to, we, we, our friends moved recently and they were like, yeah, they screwed up our truck reservation. And then I got hit with a fine for not bringing it back on time. So like uh, Rebecca screenshotted all the reservations she made. We had it booked for two days, 48 hours. And we showed up there in downtown city we live in and uh we were like hey can we have a truck for two days and they said you can have a truck for one days and we said no 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 my screenshot says two days and they said oops guess you got to drive to city you don't live in uh to get a smaller truck uh for the same amount of money so pissed off we do that like this already sucks like it is a smaller truck which uh, spoiler alert really doubles the number of trips you have to take because you can't put (laughs) all the stuff in the truck. (laughs) So that's already bad. We get to the second place and we go to try to fucking get get the truck. And they were, I sign the thing, I give him the card, and he turns around to get the keys and he stops and he looks at the keys. And I'm like, what's going on here? And the guy looks at his boss and he's like, hey, God, uh, why, why is the keys right there? And I look closely at where the keys is. You know where the keys is? They're on a hook that says shop slash repair. Oh, no. And then they oh give God. us the keys. Oh, my God. <laughs> And uh, I'm driving and I'm like, this is a little rickety. This is not the best. And then <laughs> when we start going down hills, it fucking downshifts into oblivion. And the brakes are, I guess, maybe legally responsive, but not good. Oh, uh, needless to say, um, did not pay for the full thing and it got towed. So Jesus, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> That's made, miserable. Uh, it was made worse by the fact yeah. that there was that like we were trying to drive literally just down the street, and then there was a detour. And I looked; this cop was blocking the road. There was no traffic. I think this was this cop's last day, and he was just really trying to flex or something because he stopped like a main street for like five blocks, and nothing was happening. I don't know what oh the fuck God. his deal was. Yeah, and then I mean, we had to take. Then we had to take the truck. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, Rebecca speculated that because there's a bank there, there was a robbery going on, but I don't know, man. Anyway, the move was very stressful. And as a result, I have not paid very close attention to news for the past month. Also because I had some other editing projects come up and it's just, I'm really honestly kind of excited to be talking with you guys, late as it may be, and really get a vibe for what happened in October because I am not, uh, I am not the vessel this podcast deserves. Not this month. Uh, but let's turn that around and let's see if we can hit a vibe check at the end and maybe Chowder and I can lift our spirits out of the terrible customer service experience dumps. <laughs> From either side. <laughs> From either side. We, uh, we I, I hope that on a bad day, I don't have to be the customer of Chowder because we might annihilate like matter <laughs> well, and antimatter. I mean, there's a difference between someone being upset because they were given a uh, a fucking, you know, unsafe truck that was a giant metal death machine and someone just being a bitch about not fucking winning the lotto 
<laughs> I don't know. Catch me on a bad streak of customer service experiences like this one, and Chatter might be the target of my ire. I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. And I might be the target of his. And God, I just, uh, I think we can do better than that. So let's talk about some geek news. Um, typically I go first, so I guess I'll just hit the couple of things that I feel strongly about, and then I'll let you guys take the reins. I know you have a lot more to say than I do. So, um, I'm going to touch on the two things I was most excited about, uh, because I want to talk about them, but I'm not going to go too in depth because I think we might be talking about them in future episodes. Uh, the first was the release of Metroid Dread. Yeah, that game was that game slaps man it's very it's, good it is very good i do not want to divulge all my opinions on it because i i we are trying to see if we can get a conversation together yeah uh around that game uh but metroid dread is the um fifth canonical side scroller entry in the metroid franchise that is not a remake of an earlier title so you've got the original metroid slash its remake zero mission Metroid 2 Return of Samus slash its remake Samus Returns. Uh, you have Super Metroid for the SNES. You have Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. And that came out in 2002. Metroid Dread is the sequel to that game from 2002. Um, Metroid Fusion, one of my favorite games of all time. And Dread is a very worthy sequel to that game in a lot of ways. It is, it, it picks up on the scary parts very well. Uh, it, it, one of the big complaints about Metroid Fusion is that the Metroidvania subgenre is is very much defined by like a map that feels open to an extent, but as you level up your character, you unlock more parts of the map and can explore. And Metroid Fusion had this map design where you were sort of siloed into these different areas, so the exploration did not feel quite as natural. Yeah, I mean uh, the and- thing about Dread is if you pay attention to its level. To its level design and signposting, mm-hmm. it, it does silo you. But, it does. But the thing is, in the moment, you don't notice it's doing it. Correct. Like, you're just mm-hmm. like, this is my choice. When in reality, yeah. the developer was manipulating you all along. And that is, <laughs> that is, that's essentially the magic trick of Metroidvanias that I love, is they give you the sensation of, of like freedom and discovery that the best open world games give you, but with the benefit of a tightly designed uh path uh metroid games i tend to enjoy the ones i tend to enjoy the most uh like in zero mission the remake of the original is the ability to break off that path once you understand how the game works it's called sequence breaking i haven't played enough of dread i'm most of the way through my second playthrough um uh to discover how flexible it is but i'm gonna guess it's not as flexible as some other titles and to chowder's point it does once you sort of peek behind the curtain, it does feel a little more tightly wound than some Metroid games. Uh, unlike setting you into these clearly labeled zones one through six, like in Metroid Fusion, it spreads what you're doing across multiple areas. So it feels like you're like, oh my God, where am I going? What am I doing? I'm all over the place. But you can you can sort of brush up against the walls of of what the developers have laid out for you so in a way in a lot of ways i think it's a resounding success given metroid's relative absence from the scene uh while games like you know ori and hollow knight have really taken over the metroidvania conversation uh guacamelee uh like this has learned from those 
in a way that sometimes I would expect a Nintendo franchise to be a little hubristic and say, no, we do it best. They have yeah, really adopted some cues from those games. Not not whole cloth, but you can tell that they've learned from watching the indies really embrace this subgenre. Yeah, no, like I was kind of ex- uh, uh, like, because, like, a lot of times when, like, the old guard, like, tries to reestablish itself, like, say, uh, uh, ukulele, how ukulele tried to, you know, be Banjo-Kazooie or mm-hmm. how uh, Mighty Number no. 9 tried to be Mega Man and they just kind of fell flat on their face. Like, whenever yeah. there's, like, a sort of, of comeback of a thing that hasn't been around for a while, it's always like, can you keep up with the new dogs, boy? And uh, yeah, I, th- and- I think... Uh, <laughs> And uh, Dread Dread does like is is it the best? Uh, I don't know if you can really add to that question. Does it is it one of the best? Does it manage to keep up with guys like Hollow yeah. Knight? Yeah. No, I think it absolutely does, and it is it is not nearly as punishing as Hollow Knight, but like it 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 adopts more of that flavor than older Metroids uh, did. Uh, overall, very impressed, very pleased with it. But uh, I also have a lot more to say, and I hope we do get to have a longer conversation in the future. Yeah. Um, second thing I wanted to bring up, a little movie called Dune came out. And yeah, uh, don't know if you guys have uh, have read the book Dune. It is a very complicated book. Not complicated as in like, you gotta be smart to understand these words. But more complicated, <laughs> like, th- these ideas do not seem filmable, as evidenced by Dune from 1984. <laughs> it is just, <laughs> it is a very difficult story to wrangle. I'm watching this play out with the Foundation series on Apple TV+, Plus, which I've, I've read Foundation. I I'm I cannot render judgment on the show until it's done, but it's like, where, where found, the Foundation TV show is based on an Isaac Asimov novel that is not about characters, it's about ideas. So they have just like made up so much shit to fill in the gaps in that story. Um, and it just feels different. And Dune is so big that you could see them either going in that direction where they have to like make up all their own shit to make it make sense or in like the Lord of the Rings direction where they have to just say, ignore most of the world and just focus on this bit. And it manages to lean in that Lord of the Rings direction without going, I think, quite as far. It is a tremendously accurate adaptation. There's a lot of stuff that's left out, and but... Unlike Lord of the Rings, there are very few, like, significant alterations uh, from the book. And what's more important than that is it's good. It's a good movie. It is, uh, I think the most jarring thing about it is it is a part one. It's been announced that this is part one of two. They had to split the book in half. And boy, howdy. Yeah, I mean. Did they split it in half? It ends, like, right smack dab in the middle of the book. And it feels like you stop the movie halfway through. That is very jarring. So if you're going to see Dune. Yeah, I mean, from what I I know about Dune, the book is a a goddamn door stopper. So. It is. It's (laughs) dense. I read it last year. Uh, blew my mind immediately. I adore the book Dune a lot. I was so entranced by its ability to meet out information to like feed me stuff and build my understanding of a world while leaving so many questions. It's one of those things where it's like where it, where Lord of the Rings is a is a fucking doorstop because it's the the, the history, the lineages, and the geology. Uh, ge- geology geography is so clearly defined that it's like the I story mean also geology I, I feel like rocks come yeah. up a lot in yeah. <laughs> um, that, no that's actually there's a lot about rocks and metal but um like 
it's one of those things where like the world is built and then like Tolkien famously built the world, asked to publish the Silmarillion and they said, no, this is boring. Give us something else. And he just wrote Lord of the Rings on top of the foundation he built. And that makes it incredibly rich. Dune, I think, is often compared to it because it does the same thing with uh, ecology and politics. Uh, and, and the book... Even when it's not explaining all those things to it, you can tell that Frank Herbert, the author, like has a very clear understanding of what's going on, even if he's not telling you. Um, and the movie captures that particular feeling. It has a lot less dialogue than I expected, but it captures so much of the conversation from the books. On my second viewing, I picked up on a lot more hints. It's like, oh, they I thought they left this out. No, this is in there. It's just sort of blink and you'll miss it. It's a long movie. Uh, it can feel like it has a slow start, but if you understand that it's half of a movie, uh, I think that pacing concerns sort of fall to the wayside. So if you're thinking of checking Dune out, one, I recommend doing it on a movie theater screen if you can. It is gorgeous and breathtaking and like the sequences are tit for tat from the book, the action sequences, and I was still like white knuckling my way through them. It is pretty visceral and but it is it is still good and fun to watch and intense and well performed well cast um i love the score uh hans zimmer who did who has done so many christopher nolan movies actually didn't do tenet because he got the chance to do dune and uh it's fucking worth it man this soundtrack is fucking intense it slaps real hard it is creepy and ominous and big uh i have a lot of love for this movie but even at that point, I don't think I can pass too much judgment because it's still definitely half the movie. This isn't like where Fellowship of the Rings ends and you're like, I got a nice cap to the beginning of the story and I'm excited to see what's next. The movie ends and you're like, oh, it's not done. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I get it. We're not, Yeah, no, it's not done. And it does say part one right on the label as soon as you start it. But highly recommend it. If, if, you're, if you're willing to go in and know that you're getting the beginning of a story, I think you will have a good time. I think it's excellent. Uh, I'm very impressed. Um, lastly, uh, what is it? Uh, Star Trek Prodigy uh, dropped. This is the new animated fairing from Star Trek. It is a Nickelodeon kids show with an animation style similar to Star Wars The Bad Batch, which I have not seen. Um, but uh, I said this about the trailers looking pretty good. Y'all, this this is it is definitely a kids show, not a little kids show. I think it's more in like that Teen Titans Avatar, The Last Airbender sort of realm, like the like 10, 12 year old <laughs> kind of demo. Um, uh, I'm definitely not as sophisticated as those shows get towards the end, but it feels kind of like Avatar in the beginning where it's just kind of goofy cartoony. Um, but it's a lot more tonal, a lot more dramatic and visually extremely impressive. Uh, the trailers did not lead me astray. I think this show is beautiful. Uh, I enjoy watching it just to watch it. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of like goofy voice characters over explaining things every couple of minutes. It's a kid's show, <laughs> but it's goofy very, voice, very like goofy voiced characters over explaining everything. That just sounds like Star Trek. Yeah, so it's a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the the is it uh, Yes, yes it is. Um, right now, everything... The the work of the Star Trek uh, universe lately, I think, has been partly to recanonize all the stuff that people said was not canon, like the animated series. <laughs> or There was actually an episode of Voyager in the Wait, 90s. Wait, is the fucking animated series now canon, too? That's... they. Yeah, they have done it. There's an early episode of the animated series where uh, they make a Spock clone called, get this, Spock 2, and he's enormous. Clever. And they leave him on Phylos, and 
he is referenced twice in Lower Decks, one time by name and the second time by his entire skeleton hanging from the ceiling. Oh, so it's, pre it's pretty <laughs> insane. So uh, they've tried to canonize that as well as an episode of Voyager that was so bad that the writers said it wasn't canon. And Lower Decks said, <gasps> nah, nah, it's canon. Uh, in case you don't know, there's an episode called Threshold where they break the warp barrier and it accelerates their evolution and the captain and the pilot turn into newts and then have babies on a planet. And then the ship kidnaps the newts and turns them back into humans. And they never address the fact that they fucked and had newt babies and they're still out there. Hold on. Yeah, it that's pretty it, dumb. Well, hold on. Hold on a second. It accelerates their evolution. Yeah. So it's they newts. evolve into newts. Yeah. It's bad. It's yeah, a ba that's, guys. That's incredibly you, stupid. I would have left yeah. that one out if I were. Yeah. No. It's a, it's a <laughs> like, very like, bad episode. Like it is notoriously the worst. If they evolved into crabs, I would kind of get it. But newts. Um, newts are. Well, kind that's of, a conversation I, for another time. Look, uh, okay. Look, it, <laughs> evolutionary <laughs> scientists have uh, found that like. Many species keep turning into crabs, and it seems to suggest that there is something advantageous to crab. So, uh, so you know, progress if to only crab. Only we could be so ambitious to one day also become crab. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Anyway, it's a very bad episode of Star Trek, and Lower Decks was like they just explicitly said this happened. Maybe. Um, Maybe newts are on the way to crabs, though. Have you yeah, considered maybe. that, Chowder? Newts like, are halfway goes, to crabs. It goes person, newt, crab, you know? Person, person <laughs> newt, crab. Anyway, very bad episode of Star Trek. It's canon. So this kid show is also canon. Uh, one, uh, Catherine Janeway uh, appears in the show as a hologram, uh, voiced by the original actress and everything. The show's cute so far. There are only three episodes out. It's But, like, I'm enjoying it. Uh, are, I don't think all adults are going to like it just because it's a kid's show, but it's still, yeah. uh, I think it's still pretty fun, pretty well written. Uh, it seems to have a strong concept. And again, it's just really, really pretty. If nothing else, watch the pilot episode. There's some stuff in there that's going to make you be like, what kind of budget does this show fucking have? It is, uh, I was honestly surprised in a lot of good ways. Uh, but those are really the three big things that I was doing besides um, moving and editing projects. So please, my friends... Fill my brain with more useful information. I will do no such thing. <laughs> because I'm going to start off with some... Uh, well, all my news this time around is either Transformers or Minecraft news. Okay. So already we're not going to be terribly useful information in your brain. Um, but... To start off with Transformers, the story that I've been covering for a little while is the uh, the Victory Saber, uh, uh, what's the fucking thing called? HasLab, that's the one. The crowdfunded, the second oh, crowdfunded yeah. Transformers project. Yeah, um, I think you had some good news about this one. Literally the day after we recorded yeah. the last episode, <laughs> on September 29th, uh, it was fully backed at 11,000 backers. Um, on October 1st, the tier three, so the, uh, the 20,000 backer goal tier was revealed to be a shield. Like I speculated last time, but it also includes two additional like MicroMaster mini cons, little figures that, that come with it that are just repaints of mm -hmm. figures that we've gotten before, but they're referencing characters from, uh, from the show that Victory Saber is from, um, then on October 6th. Uh, we got to our 14,000 backer goal unlocked. 
the second tier was unlocked on October 8th, and the third tier, which I just talked about, was unlocked on October 10th, which is 10 hours before the end of the, uh, the uh, you know, the backer goal, like how, how long you could actually back this thing. Um, mm. So when it ended, so this was at, at New York Comic Con uh, on October 10th, and it ended with 22,713 backers. Wow. Uh, and I think after that, they must have added, you know, like the, they must have added like some countries' numbers to that because currently it's sitting at 27,302 backers which wow. is obviously they couldn't have more people weren't backing it after the fact because the backer, you know, timed out it, it ended yeah. on the 10th. Um, and, you know, that number fluctuates a little bit with like people deciding that they don't want it anymore or whatever. But that's that's where it's sitting out right now, about twenty seven thousand three hundred, which is um, the number is notable to me because so Unicron, the first HasLab project, the backer goal was like eight thousand and they kind of they didn't really tell us the final number because at a certain point in the like the like backer progress bar after it was funded it just started saying 8000 plus so it was a little bit unclear like how much it was actually backed by uh and then someone like dug into the code of the website and found that it was i can't remember the exact numbers but it was something like oh 150% backed so it was like you know, that would mean basically 12,000 backers. If the mm-hmm. 100% was 8,000, then 150 would be 12,000. Um, so a lot more units of this are being made than that. And part of the notable thing with that is like, I sort of feel like this could have just been a straight up retail product. Like when you're looking at 27,000, yeah. like that is, that's comparable to the number of like units that are made for some of the, you know, like, slightly higher end stuff that's like just made and released in retail so it it kind of again like i've been talking about with this project in the past like it brings me back to the price being like you know even if we're being generous with like how these things are divvied up it's still like at least double what it kind of ought to be so yeah you know it's like oh well it's a niche thing and you know so only so many people are getting it but nope twenty seven thousand three hundred people are getting it so you know, it, it's it's interesting, obviously, like when this thing actually comes out, I'll have more news on it. But other than that, that, I mean, that all happened like at the beginning, the first week and a half of October. So it's been a minute, but and there hasn't really been any other news from it since then. But it has been backed. I have paid for it and I will see it sometime next year. Do, do you know, um, like the sales performance of Transformers toys writ large as of late? Uh, outside um, of these HasLab projects, because I'm wondering well, if this is like them just also trying to play it safe. Like they want to keep the the fans engaged, no. the collectors engaged, but they can't take the risk. As far as I'm aware, Transformers is Hasbro, Hasbro's most po- uh, like okay. profitable toy line. Interesting. Even uh, above so, Nerf? Yeah, I mean, like there's other things, like specifically toy line. I think that they, okay. I think that like they're like I think does Hasbro own wizards of the coast is that right i I think they do magic cards too which would be like their most profitable thing but in terms of like their toy lines there we got like a uh you know a breakdown of like their sales performance for like the second quarter of uh 
or third quarter rather of uh, 2021 recently. And it was like comparing. So there's like a few different things. There's like, well, there's their, their stuff like card games and things like that. Then mm. there's their original like franchised, uh, franchise products, which, which would be like your Transformers, your GI Joe, things that Hasbro actually owns. And then yeah. there will be their licensed toy lines, things like Star Wars, right? Like they don't own the license to Star Wars, but they own the toy license. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. and their regular, like their franchise products, your Transformers, your GI Joes, etc., cetera, uh, was like, I think it was up by like 9% this quarter and their, okay. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was up from usual. And then their like franchise stuff like, uh, like Star Wars or whatever was a little bit down. Um, so it seems like they're, they're like in terms of like their usual toy sales, their, their original things like Transformers are the, the bigger profit makers because mm. you know well, it's interesting. Like, not necessarily meaning those are the things that sell the most but those are the things that sell the most make, and yeah, they don't make have the most to pay money. for yeah. licensing and stuff like yeah, that yeah that was i mean um, that's famously why lego created bionicle because like their license stuff was not making them enough money they needed a story-based thing that correct could, yeah that exactly. could not it's exactly all like go that, to yeah. licensing and, costs but uh yeah you're right hasbro has owned wizards of the coast since 1999 yeah i so was just about to say like i had the wikipedia up and like oh by the way yeah. hasbro owns owns Shatter's like cracking his knuckles. Let me get into that <laughs> magic shit. And I, yeah, I don't know a lot about that side of it, but in terms of like the toy market, Transformers yeah. is a fairly profitable brand. And like part of that, what you can see in the trends too is like when they decide to mix stuff up, right? Obviously, when stuff is selling well, they tend to repeat themselves a lot and do a lot of similar things yeah. until sales start to wane and then they mix it up and do some, something different, i.e., yep. The original Beast Transformers Wars. toy line, when it started doing very poorly, that's how we got Beast Wars, you know? It's, like, very different. Now they all turn into organic animals, and it was a big... Organical. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, right. there's... The, I fucking could go on about that forever. But in terms of, sure. like, you know, specifically with Victory Saber, like, it, it feels like they've done weirder, more obscure characters at, at slightly larger price point, points before. So I feel like this could have been a retail product in terms of how many yeah. units of this existed well, in, and the price that it was. So Yeah, given the relative that. success of their Transformers line, I'm curious what, what led them to this price point like that. I don't know, that has me more interested yeah. in that choice. Granted, I'm getting it all through your uh, POV, but still, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there have been sort of recent efforts... And, you know, this is kind of speculation, but there have sort of been recent efforts by Hasbro to push the envelope a little bit in terms of price to, like, see what the upper limit of, like, how much they can sell these things for, you know, what it actually is. Like, you know, releasing certain exclusives that are, you know, that usually would cost around the same price as their retail counterparts or whatever, but, like, upcharging them, like, $10 to, like, really... And, like the the price of like your average transformer has increased multiple times in the past few years whereas like usually it only jumps up every once in a while so it's like it does seem like things have been getting generally more so more expensive so Mm. there's part of me that sort of feels like this might be a bit of an experiment to be like hey could we actually just sell a commander class for fucking 190 dollars instead of 80 dollars and would people buy it so I'm hoping that that's not the lesson they learned from this because apparently the answer to that is yes, I guess. Yep. <laughs> but not if it yeah, happens frequently. Fair but enough. anyway, so that's what that. else you got? Um, in terms of other Transformers news, at uh, the Hasbro uh, PulseCon 
on the 22nd, I think, of October, we got the reveal of the uh, the next upcoming Transformers toy line, which will be titled Legacy. Uh, it's more or less a continuation of their of the usual thing, except their their pitch for it is that it's supposed to be like like this sort of multiversal kind of thing where they're drawing inspiration from multiple different, you know, universes of Transformers, which means that we are getting new versions of characters that aren't just based on Generation 1, yeah. which is usually what the Generations line is, in addition to also more of that, because that's also still a big seller. So that's kind of exciting. We've seen our, our first wave of that. They didn't reveal as many things as I would have liked them to, but nothing really extremely notable enough to, to bring up to y'all. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my Transformers news. And for Minecraft, we had a uh, oh, yeah. a mob vote this year uh, that, you know, they do this every once in a while. I want to say maybe once a year. I'm not sure. I haven't been keeping up with Minecraft in the long term for that long. So I, I don't I, I haven't been paying too much of attention to the trends. But uh, they had Minecraft live on October 16th. And a few days before that, they revealed the uh, the mobs to be voted on at Minecraft Live, three of the uh, the three of them were we've got the Alay, which is a little ghosty type dude that um, it's sort of weird how it functions and I feel like people might have kind of misconstrued what its function actually is. Basically, if you throw down an item, the Alay will pick it up and then bring back duplicates of that item, sort of, and. Saying that like that makes it sound super broken, right? Like you take uh-huh. a full diamond block, drop it to the LA, and then it comes back with another diamond block. That'd be broken. That's not what the LA does. Um, the LA will only pick up items that uh, exist in the world and not like not Things just exist somewhere. Like if you throw it a grass block, it won't come back with a grass block, even though there's grass blocks all around. It only picks up other like items like not the thing that exists in the world but like when you throw down an item you know what i'm saying oh oh so like oh inventory items not stacks but individual like okay like other things that are floating on that are sitting on the ground as items basically yeah so So like when when you break a tree and like the saplings drop or an apple drops like those kinds of things you could throw a sapling and it'll go pick up the other saplings or if your inventory is full and you've been digging in a cave for like five minutes and there's like a trail of rocks if you throw it a rock, it'll go pick up all the rocks. Um, so it, we haven't really seen the full extent of this, obviously, because it's mostly just in the idea stage right now. But it seems like its main function is going to be like organization, because there's like some function with it, too, with note blocks where you can like get it to go specific places and have like different LAs. So you could like have them pick up different stuff and basically categorize your you know items for you. It mm-hmm. seems like what it what it's probably for. Um, so that's one of the guys. Then we've got the uh, the glare, which um, it finds dark spots. Um, it's like this little floaty grass creature, and like it it seeks out dark spots in the area, and then gets for like really pissed off when it finds a dark spot. So it's like a way of like showing you where the dark spots are in places like where monsters could spawn, which seems like it could have been a lot more useful before uh, the 1.18 update, which is coming out in like December because that's changing how mobs generate so that instead of mobs generating at a light level lower than seven, they will only spawn in absolute darkness. So wow, that seems 
it's really a big generous. change, but it's well, it's not that generous, Colin, because the big one point eighteen update that we've known about for a while is the the second half of the caves and cliffs update, which adds oh, like these yeah. huge okay. expansive caves, which would just be freaking impossible to light up like on their yeah. own. And so, like, you know, but, like, in I terms d- of being had- outside in the middle of the night in Minecraft, it won't change because it that is all that's total darkness at light level of zero wait, all the time. Wait, right? really? At nighttime outside in Minecraft under the moonlight yep. is considered absolute darkness? But you can yeah, see... Yeah, I don't think there... moonlight is an actual... I, I don't think the moon actually does anything in I'm Minecraft. I'm just saying, in the overworld on top of land, I can see at nighttime without a torch versus underground in a cave sure. where yeah. I can't. No, it, no but I, I think technically it's still a light level of zero. Um, in terms of your ability to see, that's probably just because of the the sky mm, being okay. able to pick things out. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe. As far as I understand it anyway, nighttime outside is a normal light level of zero. But it'll okay. make the caves literally possible to traverse. But that that's all stuff that, you know, that we've known about for a little while. That mm. was like we had the 1.17 caves and cliff update, but it was because it was such a big update, they ended it up splitting one. it into yeah. two. Um uh, which I'll get back to. But first, our third uh, mob from the mob vote was the copper golem, which is a a, a golem that you can make out of copper. Um, copper was added oh, in 1.17. And what it does is it it's basically like a, a button-pushing randomizer. Like, it, it, it puts it down, and it just, like, runs around and pushes buttons that you've placed, which oh, is God. really cute. And it has a, an interesting function to be used in, like, That is some chaotic that, energy. yeah. That copper golem was the one I voted for. Uh, unfortunately, the one that won was the LA. So I was about to say, that seems two, like the winner to me. Yeah, the other two probably just won't exist now. Like previous mob votes, like they don't really usually bring them back, which is sad because the copper, goler, copper golem seems like really fun. If not for yeah. like technical stuff, it just seems like it. Because it also like had an oxidizing, like normal copper oxidizes in Minecraft. But the uh-huh. copper golem would oxidize and basically just like turn into a little statue which seems like it would have been a that's really fun. interesting that's mechanic yeah yeah but i'm i'm rip copper golem i was i was really upset that the copper golem didn't win but <laughs> whatever the la could be cool too um also in minecraft live we got the uh the preview basically for what the 1.19 update was going to be the one that will come out next year and it is going to be called the wild update um, and it does two major things, one of which is it's going to finally give us the deep dark, which was uh, basically a, a a mechanic that was going to be added in 1.17, and then when they split it into 1.17 and 1.18, it was going to be in 1.18, and now they've decided that goes back to 1.19. This is starting to sound like a real Hobbit trilogy kind of situation. Yeah. So the, the deep dark and the warden mini boss are being moved back to 1.19, because they had more mechanical stuff that they wanted to, you know, like finalize with it, which is fine. I can respect that. But the more exciting thing, which is, I think, the just because we haven't heard about it before now, is the new thing, which is a, a revamp of the swamp biome Ooh. that adds some new fun stuff, including uh, the ability to put chests in boats. That's really big, I think. Neat. That's, really mechanically yeah, no, useful. That is extremely useful. Holy cow. The amount of times that you and I have, like, tried to move shit over the ocean. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) We're getting a new type of tree called the mangrove tree, which has this awesome, like, root structure that is above ground and, of course, a new type of wood. So that's really cool. And it just, like, 
really elevates like what the swamps look like because now you can like you know ride your boat under these like huge root structures and it's uh, that's pretty cool and most importantly a new mob they're adding frogs to minecraft and they're goddamn adorable frogs frog 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 i don't know if they like mechanically do anything useful or if they're more like rabbits or bats that you know don't do a ton uh but i mean can't you get like rabbit legs from rabbits or yeah, you can get rabbit Sure, meat. I mean, yeah, and it's hide. not like they, you know, rabbits do have drops or whatever, but they're not, like, terribly useful. I mean, I guess they are now, because in 1.18, they're adding bundles, which you use rabbit hides to, to craft. Ooh, but, um, like, what, like, chests that you carry on, like, like, inventory expansion things? Sort of, yeah. Basically, a bundle, this was something that was, again, supposed to be in 1.17, but they moved it back to 1.18. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like a little item bag that you can carry that can hold if i remember correctly it can hold 64 of anything so Mm. like it'll hold up to one stack of anything but it doesn't all have to be the same thing basically so it's supposed to be like a way of cleaning up your inventory like if you're walking around and you have like three seeds and like 10 flowers and like half a stack of dirt or whatever like you can put that all in the same bundle so it's a nice way to like organize your inventory and uh, be able to carry more on you at one time. I like know. it. But if you were carrying like full, all stacks of rocks or whatever, like it wouldn't change anything in that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's really cool. That, I mean that, you know, that, that one's been announced a while ago, but anyway, that, that's pretty much the, uh, the Minecraft news. The, the frogs, the only thing we, I think really know about them right now is that they have three variations depending on like what biome you breed them in. So like there's the, the sort of warm biome uh, frogs, which are the ones that will spawn naturally in the swamp. There's the cold biome frogs, which are uh, a bit more white and the, they'll be like, you know, snowy areas. And then like deserty frogs, which are the uh, the uh, like uh, tan ones. Mm-hmm. So they're all pretty cool. But I don't oh, know if fun. there's any mechanical difference between them right now. But that's uh yeah that's pretty much the stuff i had to talk about again pretty much just two things but a lot of those two things yes no pretty 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 dense uh chowder what uh how can you enrich my understanding of this month Hmm. so uh I, I've been like spending like this whole podcast like trying to untangle what happened in September and what happened in October. <laughs> and uh, maybe and also, I'm asking the wrong folks. <laughs> the, uh, but, but like, uh, I guess I want to start with Yahtzee. Uh, uh, so, like, uh, a fantastic dice rolling game. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Yahtzee, which is the, uh, uh, what does that fucking stand for again? It's like the U- union for the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. There we go. There we go. Uh, they, uh, on October 4th, they uh, he- held a vote to authorize the first nationwide strike industry strike. And uh, it it got some numbers, you know, like uh, yeah, there were 59,478 registered le- eligible voting members across the 36 union- local unions. Uh, so it was a 89.66% turnout with a 98.68 vote for yes. So wow. Yahtzee's prepare. Yeah. So they're, they're like preparing for a strike. Uh, and, uh, uh, and just as, 
soon as that. And, uh, like, I remember, and I'm tr- looking at, like, uh, something Jocelyn posted on uh, on our Discord, which is, like, like, there might be some problems with the negotiations, because, like, mm. it might, uh, there might be some crap negotiating going on, but I'm not entirely sure, and I mm-hmm. don't know what the sources are. So this part might yeah. be cut because, yeah, I'm not finding sources so cut cut that part I, I'm, I can i can say from experience i have been cursorily involved in some union conversations uh and i know jocelyn is is uh has seen a lot more of that stuff uh up front so i, I can vouch for her credibility in in understanding these things so once okay. we have more solid information um like that's reported and sor- sourceable uh i would i will definitely say we should include that yeah, um, definitely. Not, yeah, not like but, I'm trying to knock uh, knock Jocelyn. Anecd- it's an- just like I'm not seeing yeah. like solid stuff, right? It's it's pure anecdote right now. But yeah, yes. So so you know, it's muddy and complicated and frustrating because life is like that. Life uh, is like trying to get a U-Haul. They <laughs> lie to you. Life is like trying to please yeah. a person how, trying uh, to win the lottery. How um, I'm just killing it today. Speaking of. Yahtzee, something else that I remember that happened this month that might have affected this in some way. Should we also talk about fucking Alec Baldwin shooting two people? Oh, yeah, no, I was about to get to that. Like, uh, okay, like, yeah, no, the way I had this grouped up, I was like gonna talk about Yahtzee, then I was gonna talk about uh, the unsafe working conditions in uh, Ruby Rose, and then, like, at the uh, finale to this, like, trilogy, I was gonna talk about the Rush shooting, in which... Yeah, (laughs) wow, Jeff, way to fucking ruin ruin Chowder's dramatic sensibility. Chowder, please continue. (laughs) Ugh, some some people, am I right? You've ruined my trilogy! For all the people who haven't heard about that story. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... Anyway, so uh, uh, in uh, in this article by RogueRocket.com, uh, Ruby Rose details abusive and unsafe work conditions on set of Batwoman series. Uh, in it, she uh, in it they talk about like how the uh, a- actor for or actor Ruby Rose, who's uh, like after like uh, uh, not uh, leaving leaving the show, and like you know we finally got answers to that, and uh, uh, the answer is executives fostered a dangerous workplace uh shit includes a video like she shares a video of a doctor detailing rib injuries and she claims to have a rip yeah yeah she claims a broken neck rib splint too a tumor uh she got cut in the face so close to the a tumor wait hold on she claimed that she had enough about these which also included uh yeah, the exact words are Rose shared a video of a doctor detailing rib injuries she received on set. She claimed she had enough footage to make an hour-long documentary about these energies, in- injuries, which allegedly also include a broken neck, a rib split in two, and a tumor. In in a later post, how did, Rose... How did the set of Batwoman give her a tumor? Let's That's see. That's a good question. Um... <laughs> Okay. I had a broken you... neck? It seems yeah. like... Yeah, not no, that I'm fucking... No, no, not, not, not her... Who got the broken oh, neck? Okay, okay, okay. She didn't Ruby get Rose right. was breaking <laughs> everyone else's like, neck Jesus because Christ, she's Batwoman. How did she get through it that far? Yeah, yeah, no, no. She she writes that a woman was left quadriplegic. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Allegations regarding mishandling the COVID. Okay, mishandling the COVID nineteen pandemic resulted in the tumor. Uh, that's 
Yeah, there hasn't okay. been enough of that going around. Uh. Yeah, no. Uh, from what I am reading, it is COVID can give you a not good. Oh yeah, no. COVID can do some wild shit. Huh? Yeah. Didn't know that particular aspect of it. So uh, is this all? Wait, sorry. Is this all from the production of Batwoman or the same production company that does Batwoman? Like, was this, this all this on the same Batwoman. fucking set, basically? Mm-hmm. Or or is the doctor just sh- sharing experiences, like horror stories that they'd heard? Not that it matters. It's still terrible. I'm just curious. So, I mean, well, Ruby, the stories that I've read, at least, Ruby Rose was the lead of the Batwoman show. And these were, this was basically her testimonial of how things went on Batwoman and why she left. Yeah. Yeah. This this is about Batwoman. All those claims were related to Batwoman specifically. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Stunt doubles were... uh, like a lot of this was happening to stunt doubles and woof what right yeah and uh which is like i feel like that's probably easy for the company to kind of sweep under the you know the carpet because they're like well they do dangerous work you know right yeah one you know eventually like eventually one of them's gonna end up quadriplegic that's not our fault that's just the job but it's like well depends on the conditions and the things you put them through but does this lead to some sort of dramatic conclusion to a trilogy of stories that you carefully curated for us (laughs) shut the fuck up why yes colin (laughs) it does so wow what an intuitive viewing experience so perhaps the most dramatic incident is the rush shooting incident on october 21st uh alec baldwin accidentally he shot uh Cinematographer Hala Hutchins and director Joel Souza. Hale, or Halino Hutchins? Halina Hutchins. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think that. it's Helena. Helena? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Helena Hutchins. Helena. Yeah. H A L Y N A is how it's spelled, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I believe and, it's Helena Hutchins. All right, Helena Hutchins. Uh, yeah, cinematographer. <laughs> or Helena Hutchins is dead. Uh, Joel Souza was very injured. Uh, and. Uh, you know, the more information we get about this situation, the more fucking wild this becomes. Uh, I mean, yeah. by all accounts, this sounds like an accident, but it sounds like an accident where everyone was just not it's, practicing it, the uh, proper safety precautions. Yeah. Like, like a million whoa. little mistakes were made and it led to uh, actual death. Yeah. Now, and, uh, you know, uh, from what I am reading of the situation, uh, Alec Baldwin... He, is at least uh, not not at fault. I would say I would actually say Alec Baldwin is not at fault for the shooting simply because you know like he like was, he told yeah. he was being handed a safe prop. He was right? he was yeah. told he was the, being handed a safe prop. He uh, a cold and, gun uh, is the term that they called out on on yeah, set. Which yeah. like you know uh I yeah it seems like he was under the impression that what he had was a gun that didn't have live rounds in it but uh du- but a dummy that was you know supposed to not be able to be shot but you know right. so when he pulled the trigger it fired and it was like what the fuck uh but that being said he was one of the producers and uh you know before the shooting incident there there were many complaints from the crew about like unsafe working conditions and like poor handling of the firearms there were uh two two incidents of misfires before this and uh and a fucking armor who by all accounts does not seem trained and was only <laughs> the armor because of fucking nepotism because her dad was yep. uh yeah because her dad was uh, a legendary armor but she doesn't necessarily have the skill. 
skills. She yeah. admitted, I mean, I, I, admittedly on the on I forget what the podcast was did say that she learned everything just by hands on experience, not by training. And on another movie with Nicolas Cage, shot a gun next to him yeah. and he screamed at her for blowing his ears out. Yeah. So uh, yeah. solid resume. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, so like, and, and uh, just so to, we'll, I mean, just because I've seen it, like I have seen a couple like articles of people saying that that was blown out of proportion but it's you know it's hard to kind of like yeah how do you blow out of proportion out? uh someone getting killed on a movie set because yeah, yeah. of right, failure yeah. to like, follow he, industry standard practices because which it yeah. seems to be the consensus yeah like in- yeah. industry practices were not being followed and it was so bad like crew members left because this is too dangerous for us. We're not doing this. And and it's just like, yeah, may, maybe Iatsi has a point in in uh, asking for better conditions cuz right now these everything's pointing to this is fucked. Uh it impor- or important to note about the shooting incident is that when it comes to guns guns on set, there's only ever supposed to be two types of bullets. Blanks, which are s- still dangerous, but like you know they don't have a bullet, so they can't. Yeah, they shoot. they have casing and it's they more have. so dangerous at they like have close quarters. A, yeah, it, yeah, it's, because it has the yeah. propellant. It has the the uh, the uh, like the gunpowder, but it doesn't actually have a projectile. And dummies, yeah. which have the bullet but don't have gunpowder, and are filled with BBs, so that you know it cannot fire. It cannot kill anyone. Uh, for some reason, there were actual bullets in that gun, and it's just like... Well, yeah, I, f- I feel like I saw some report that, like, someone was using the gun for, like, target practice. Yeah. Am I making I, that up? No, I saw something similar that, and it alleges the armorer, but again, like, the investigation is ongoing. There have been no charges filed for anyone. I've seen similar rumblings, but at this point, I don't know what's yeah, concrete. Yeah, the, so, you know, right now, this is ongoing, so, like, there's still... It's still being investigated, but, you know, from the information I can find, it seems like, uh, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of negligence going on. And, like, you know, uh, the armor uh, is probably in some huge trouble. Uh, the producers, which may or may not include Alec Baldwin, you know, may be in trouble, maybe in hot water for, like, letting such an unsafe yeah. uh, situation happen. But we will see. Uh yeah, and uh, you know. Wait, the- wait, wait. Sorry. Uh, before we move on from that, if that's what you're about to do, I'm not sure if you know about this yet. Cause uh, when I was fucking, I googled uh, Helena Hutchins, and a few stories popped up from like literally a few hours ago, where apparently Donald Trump has accused Alec Baldwin of purposefully shooting her. Oh, what? Fucking course. I mean, <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen, did you fucking read the, the letter that Donald Trump published, uh, quote, honoring Colin Powell? No, I didn't even hear about that. I haven't been paying too close attention to, to Trump. I got to send it to you guys. It is actually hilarious. It is extremely funny. And I'm afraid of how funny it is because it will give more oxygen to the stuff he's doing. It's fucking yeah. comedy gold and so disrespectful. I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. So, jeez. Okay, so so the next thing I want to talk about is uh so uh it on October fifth they had a presentation for the final DLC character in Smash Ultimate ever and uh motherfucker it's goddamn Sora I'm sorry that is like the most hype <laughs> motherfucking thing ever God like there, it is pretty exciting but part of me was like kind of you know 
not excited about that announcement just because I, I feel like that's also when they said, hey, this is the last one we're doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah uh, look, no, no choice could really be please everyone. But like, I think this yeah. might have been the choice that could please as many people as possible. Uh, no, I so, think Sora is a good, a good fit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, oh, man. It, like, one, that is just an impressive thing, because, uh, you know, as far as anyone can tell, Sora is, in fact, owned by Disney. Disney can't just use him uh, as freely as they want. They still have to, like, negotiate with Square Enix. But, like, still, it means right. that Nintendo had to negotiate that shit with Di Disney, and that is a fucking yeah. impressive thing that they managed to pull that off. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's really funny how, like, a lot of his things or whatever that, like, would have references to Disney things. There's just, like, conspicuous absences. Like, in his stage, there's, like, a mural that yeah. exists in Kingdom Hearts, which usually has Goofy and Daffy Donald. in it or something. Or Goofy or and Daffy Donald, Donald, not Daffy yeah. Donald. Goofy and Donald. <laughs> Sorry. In it Jesus. that just has, like, you know, generic symbols or something now, which is kind of funny. And it, yeah. it's sort of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain about the fucking Disney characters not being in Smash because Disney has its claws in too many fucking things. But it is sort of weird since, like, yeah. you know, half or, of the or, whole. Or like, like how his final Smash has of, him, uh, like, of, close the door to Kingdom Hearts, but like that door has, like, the Smash logo instead. But, you know, it's. Right, yeah, right. But, yeah. but like, <laughs> these. They did still manage to have, like, his Keyblade have, like, the Mickey Mouse keychain on it, which the is, Mickey like... The Mickey Mouse keychain, yeah. It's, well, you know, how much can Disney really fucking trademark three circles? <laughs> like, You'd well, be fucking oh, surprised. Oh, yeah, no, they got they got those three circles by the ball. Copyright law in the United States <laughs> is, is shaped fucked. incredibly yeah, by the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> but, like... Also, that trailer was really good because, like, they really build up the suspense. You know, it's like a uh, dark and shadowy, and you're and you see like a single fire. For for a second, I thought, oh, is that gonna be Dark Souls? It's not Dark Souls, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. Mario like uh, reaches into the fire, throws something, and you're like, what the fuck is that? What the hell is that? You see, you see the Mickey Mouse keychain. And you know, and holy shit! The I'm sorry, the way that yeah, it sort of felt felt like it um it mimicked like the the one trailer that I had in my head that it felt like the most like was when they announced Inkling, which is when they first announced yeah. Smash Ultimate. Yeah, yeah, and, it ended and, the way and it Inkling began, was the right. first uh, character announced for it, and it, it felt like a lot like that. So it's kind of a neat to have those two yeah. sort of bookends with this sort of like flaming Smash symbol deep dark empty room kind of vibe going on yeah but with that uh, the development for smash ultimate is over there might be like uh uh quick uh an update to like for some last minute balancing but otherwise smash has uh, smash ultimate has finished up and you know looking back it is such an ambitious game i mean yeah all these God. different series i mean fuck you can have minecraft steve sephiroth uh uh, Terry Kazuya uh, from or Terry uh, Kazuya, you can have uh, shit, shit, uh, like King K Ninja rules Kazooie. in there. Yeah, no. It, how many total characters does that make? Uh, shit. I typed in I how many characters know. are in Smash Ultimate, and it says seventy-four, but that's from November of twenty nineteen. Yeah, so more so, than that. I will say this as like a casual Smash fan. Um, 
wanted I've been wanting to see Master Chief in these games for a while and I figured with Halo Infinite it'd be like fucking primetime business but Yeah, but like uh, uh, nope. uh, they uh, Big you sad. know, they they went like Master Chief no, would like the, appeal No, it was the right decision. Yeah, Master but, Chief would like appeal only to like the West, but like Sora it's like oh, he yeah. appeals to everybody. America, Europe, Japan and yep. ev- everybody. So like it, it it works. Uh No, it's it's the right decision. I am just sad because my experience with Kingdom Hearts is one, everybody talking about it my whole life. Two, it showing up <laughs> on Game Pass. Three, me trying it on Game Pass for uh, about an hour and saying I don't get it and then stopping. So it just it yeah. didn't work for me. Yeah, no, which no, is no. fine because I also don't play Smash that much anymore. But like, yeah, King, I mean, uh, I'm yeah, happy Kingdom for Hearts, everyone else. Yeah, is, Kingdom Hearts is is, appeals to like very, certain kinds of people. You kind of have to be in a certain mindset to like Kingdom Hearts because it can, uh, yeah, it can test test you on like uh, your patient on things like patience or like <laughs> your ability to understand a overly complex plot. Uh, but you know, uh, and with that, you know, Smash Ultimate is like, uh, as far as we know right now, Sakurai is, uh, uh, is saying, uh, is saying he's like in between jobs and he's right now he's just chilling and we're not sure what he's going to do after this. Is he going to make another Smash Bros? Eh, maybe, probably not. Uh, is, is he going to make another game? Is he just going to retire outright? He'd be justified in doing that. He, he fucking worked hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like. If he wants to walk away from all this, I salute you, man. You, you've done more, or more than you ever needed to. Uh, but like, if he decides he wants to make a game, what I hope will happen is Nintendo is just like, okay, here's a blank check. Do whatever the fuck you want. You made us a ton yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah. Like let him, Fingers let crossed. him, let him make his magnum opus. Let him do what he wants to do. Uh, I haven't played Smash in a while. I should try out Sora. Yeah. With uh, that, I am going to, for the sake of time, I am going to pivot us into uh, the the rating section here. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the other thing, only other thing I wanted to talk about. Like, there are like a bunch of small stuff. Gotta get your passion out. Yeah, there are a bunch of uh, small stuff, but like, you know, that that they can just be skipped. Uh, Yeah. Amphibio Season 3 is pretty pretty rad so far uh it's building up and uh i'm excited for when the uh, ball drops because it's pretty good uh and inside out's a pretty good show on netflix or not inside out inside job that was like what inside (laughs) inside job inside job job. it's a pretty good cartoon show inside they made an inside out show they fucking stopped uh anyways All right, so here here in the rating section, we, as the uh, editors, contributors, authors, uh, story hijackers of the Comic Briefing Program, try to review all the stories we just talked about. And if you had to walk away with one hottest headline, uh, the thing that you should care about the most, be best for conversations at parties, how would I know? I don't like parties. Uh, this is going to be it. So we're going to figure that out. We're each going to nominate something and then uh, try to work our way towards a consensus. So, um, while I, th- I think that, like, objectively, Rust is getting the most oxygen, the Rust shooting incident is getting the most yeah. oxygen in the conversation, because uh, it is it. so, it is so, <laughs> it is, <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen, I'm so sorry, the copper golem has oxidized, but, uh, while the, it is so, it is shocking and sad and gross in a lot of ways, um, we, 
But like I said, coming in this episode, Chowder and I are coming in hot with some rough energy. And I think the thing that has been eating at my brain the most this month in a very positive way has been the Dune movie. I, I think that it succeeded in a lot of ways I didn't expect it to. It is winning over converts that thought it would be inscrutable or bad. Um, I, it, it is, I, I think, a fucking masterclass of a project. Whether or not you like it as a movie, uh, you have to respect it as an adaptation. Um, so wherever you fall on it, I think Dune is just, it is weird, it is good, it is interesting, um, and I just, I want more people to see it. Uh, I, I can't stop thinking about it. Um, but yeah, Dune is my nomination. Uh, how about you guys? So, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm excited for Dune. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't think it'll be my nomination. I do really feel like probably the most important thing is the, the fucking Rusty Murder, uh... <laughs> <laughs> rusty murder is, is a great name for, is, is better the, but those are both great names for movies but they feel dirty in this context yeah. <laughs> um i mean you know i'm excited about the transformer thing but i don't think it's the most important thing minecraft i'm excited for those updates but like mm-hmm. you know we get a new update from minecraft every year it's not that big yeah, yeah. uh um, so so here's my so, thing about yeah, i'm probably gonna go with rust myself but, yeah yeah so here's my thing about Yahtzee, Rust, and uh, uh, Batwoman, they're all still ongoing things right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, sure. things can go in wildly different directions, and so right now, it's more just the... It amounts to hey, this thing is happening. Uh, and so that's why I'm hesitant to make that the most important thing. Yeah. It, it's all transitory. Is that the word I'm thinking of? Transitory, yes. Or we're going with transitory. Uh, uh, Transitive? Transitive, yes. That too. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. It, transient? Transient? Maybe. Transient. That's probably the one. That's that probably it. That sounds the right. Transparent? I, the I don't know. The transporter starring Jason Statham? Transformers? Transformers? I don't know. Transformers. Yes. We know Transformers. Transformers. Top story. We've gotten it. <laughs> Any, anyways, well, what I'm saying is there's still more to be found. And so yeah. I, I'm i going to say to me, the most important thing was Metroid Dread. We got a game that was like uh, a lot Man, that, yeah, that had had that. a action, like a true, genuine entry in the series in a while. Like we had a. We had a remake. We had Federation Force, whatever the fuck that was. Uh, I didn't even touch Federation Force. I will say that the the Metroid 2 remake, which was done by the team that did uh, Metroid Dread, was super solid. It's just playing playing a very like technically demanding side-scrolling shooter yeah. on a 3DS will make your hands fall apart. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I would yeah, love for I, them to bring it to the yeah. to the Switch. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that uh, uh, that remake, it really just felt like them like you know, doing some exercise before they like did the serious did. work of it, it, it Metroid did. And Dread. I, but as someone who did try to play Metroid 2 on the original Game Boy, uh, it made it coherent and comprehensible. So I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and we here we have it. So many years down the line, uh, yep. genuine entry, and it holds its own. It's so good. It yep. feels good to play. It's well designed. It's just good. It's I solid. Can... Adam. I can join you on the Metroid Dread nomination, honestly. I think that was uh, before my schedule cramped up and U-Haul betrayed me. Um, Metroid <laughs> Dread was pretty big on my mind. I just haven't played it since the move, uh, but I plan to. And um, 
So, and I, I do hope we get our real conversation about it together. So yeah, so, I, I'll join you on Metroid Dread's so, release. So yeah, you know, to put, put my hand down on what's the most important, I would say Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, but I didn't talk about that, so I'm going Fuck. with Metroid. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's relevant. We didn't talk about that. It's oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, if we want to like... Oh, so, top story, just because two, two to one, Metroid Dread is, is the winner of the vote, but we will continue to discuss the Yahtzee stuff and the Rust stuff as we get more information uh, on I it, because it's still very fresh. To put a small counter-argument, though they're both developed... It's all developing situations. The Rust thing did there happen. There was one event that <laughs> made the yeah. rest thing very relevant in yes. that two people shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Well, uh, anyway, I don't know if this will be post-credits. Oh, man. Oh, also, Halo did a campaign reveal, and everybody is, like, creaming their pants for Halo. Like, if you look at search trends, nobody's looking at Call of Duty, which most people found out comes out today as we're recording it. Wait, and people Call of Duty comes know. out today? Huh? Yeah, nobody even fucking knew. It's just, like, nobody is even searching for those things, so Halo is... <laughs> I think Halo's almost back, baby, and I'm excited about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, you were going to say something about... Um, we were talking off mic beforehand that Venom 2 attempts to insert itself into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah, canon. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I, love, I, so this is big spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen yeah, it, because yeah, I, I can, I can, I can explain that. Okay, so, you know, Venom 2, like, the movie goes on uh, as as normal. It's like its own standalone thing. Uh, Venom fights Carmage. There's... There's a lot of homoerotic tension between Tom Hardy and the symbiote. It's, Love it. it I, I quite enjoy it. It's like doubles down on that uh, romantic comedy angle, which I like. Uh, but like, uh, I guess the thing that's going to be important to like people outside the niche of people who like the Venom movies are, Venom movie. <laughs> uh, are is the mid credits sequence in which uh, Eddie Brock... Uh, is just chilling in a hotel room with the symbiote watching a, a Spanish soap opera and mm -hmm. or a te telenovela and uh, and like suddenly they're are trans transported and they're like whoa what the fuck happened they look to to a TV and we see like J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson and mm. we're doing a news report mm. and then and then they show Tom Holland's Spider Man. And uh, yeah, they pretty much established that uh, Ven Venom is now Venom connected. Is now yeah, this is, so. I fucking called it. This is the maneuvering yeah. that they're doing because they're only using Sony. the stuff they have the rights for to try to yep. insert themselves in there. I bet you, you were not going to see a single Marvel owned property show up in this Sony universe. And that Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be Tom Holland's exit from the MCU as they try to hijack this brand. Because even in the Morbius trailer, which is part of this Sony universe of Marvel characters, they show fucking yeah. Morbius walking by a painting of, of Spider-Man on the wall. And Michael Keaton's character from Spider-Man Far From Home is in it. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're, they're trying to yeah. fucking cut they're themselves a slice yeah, of that Yeah, they're, they're going to pull some multiversal bullshit shenanigans. Uh, and and legally, I don't think Disney can do anything about it under yeah, the current agreement, who, who, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> which, which, yeah, yeah, very strange. Yeah. On the one hand, listen. I do like the uh, the idea of another company tying Disney's hands, but in terms of the quality of products, I don't really want the Sony I, I mean, things to be getting. Yeah. Look, listen, years, listen. So. Uh, if so long as we get those, so long as the Spider Verse movies stay on, uh, yep. stay good, and like though yeah. Spider Verse was fucking amazing like what, was an absolutely whatever movie. garbage so sony good. has shat out 
It was all worth that, it for Spider-Verse. Yeah. And also, agreed. I I actually genuinely love the Venom movies, unironically. They're bad, uh, they're stupid, and I love them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll fucking see, because uh, Eternals has released today, uh, so we can talk about that soon. But Spider-Man comes out next month, and I'm sure we'll see if I'm fucking right. Uh, I have a couple episodes yeah. I called it. We'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, that's about it. I'm wrapping it up. The, about yeah. the time where Jeffrey is going to have to start distancing himself, distancing himself from caring about the quality of MCU things going forward and continuity make, keeping together. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not that interested in maybe. Eternals. I'm probably not going to watch it. Oh, uh, oh, Eternals is the one I was most interested in because of Chloe Zhao. Uh, I just saw it today. Um, I loved it. I loved it a lot. I really hey man, like it. Hey man, Chowder. Hey man, Chowder. Come on. Come on, Kamel Nanjiani's in it. You he can't is. hit he's on very, anything he's, he's in, very except good. for I guess that fucking Men in Black movie that he voices someone in. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that about wraps it up. I think we'll talk about Eternals at some point in the future. Um, I actually want to because it seems to be fairly divisive. Uh, but for now. We're just going to play some Metroid Dread. And we'll be back in a couple weeks, hopefully talking about Metroid Dread. Uh, My name is Colin. uh, And I'm going to eat some candy in a minute. I'm pretty tired. Uh, So I guess. Cool. Is that that your fucking. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm Uh, fucking outie. I've been Jeff. Uh, If you want to find me, I've got a a YouTube toy review channel called Alchemist Prime Reviews. And uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm Time Will Chowdery or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Time Will Chowder. Uh, I'm also part of our sister podcast, Dice Populi. Uh, we got some Woo-hoo. wild shit going on uh, with like uh, Dicey Waters, and we're actually about to record hey. an entrenched episode soon. Hopefully, who knows? Hey, chowder. Uh, yeah. You can, this can be edited out if you want, but I need to know for myself. That most uh-huh. recent episode of Dice Populi that came out uh-huh. with the with the, the the guy that shot them in the very beginning is that the uh-huh. same fucking sniper build from our one shot that we ran Chowder? Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I I've told you that I <laughs> okay. used. I, That's I, what I, I thought. I was like, yeah. this seems vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah. I had that Jeff, feeling in you. Dice Populi when Pat aped features from a Destiny raid that we play all the time. I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> I mean, I I told you that I well at, long after the fact I told you that I used you guys as guinea pigs for stuff. Yeah, I guess I'd kind of forgotten about it. But, but it was yeah. like, I was listening to it, I was just like, I think I know what's about to happen. And I was very pleased when they when they fucking pulled <laughs> the same kind of bullshit that I pulled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, have a nice one. Ciao. Bye. Dirt. Dirt.
Also because um, like I just saw the the new trailer from Morbius in the theaters and like oh, yeah I get a sense that they really are trying to push these connections. Like I knew about Michael Keaton in that movie, but like it really really oh, like Michael Keaton shows up in that movie. Fucking Christ, he's in the fucking man. trailer. Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's go ahead and yeah, clap because well, it's been going because I don't give a shit about fucking solo movies I was for just, Spider-Man villains. I was, I was just sat in front of a giant movie theater screen for Eternals and they were like, here, swallow Morbius. And I said, okay, daddy. Oh, Lord. Anyway, you there's your post credits. Oh no. Morbius is like the last <laughs> one you want to swallow. <laughs> let's go. Let's go at 1210. Oh, 